welcome to Tech Interrupt. The topic for today's episode is bank digital currencies. Obviously, the COVID pandemic hasn't really been great for anybody these two years. But while so much of the world's financial and economic progress has been set back by this rather annoying bump in the road, there is one sector that's turned the tables and actually benefited from the epidemic, digital innovation. In particular, there's been a lot of progress made in the development of digital currencies, specifically central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. Always trying to get ahead of the race, China is leading the CBDC head-to-head with a widespread introduction of its digital currency electronic payment system, DCEP. The virus has driven digital invention and proved to be an enabling occasion for technological acidity particularly increasing focus on developing CBDCs, and China has led the CBDC race with wide executions of its DCEP systems. The emerging superpower launched its digital yuan in 2020 in hopes of achieving its expansive rotation domestically by the 2022 Winter Olympics held in Beijing. Right now, this is a critical period for the DCEP, as China hopes to expand the system so that it becomes an accepted mode of safe alongside its massive forced chain networks and connectivity routes. Okay, if you're a regular listener of Tech Interrupt, you'll probably know that this is the part of the podcast where we talk about terms. So first, let's talk more about the DCEP. It's actually a really complex network. And while this format of banks is usually very raw knowledge to the global market, China keeps the details of the DCEP top secret. What we can guess, though, is that it probably works as a two-league operating system. This basically means that the central bank works as the first league, with marketable banks as the alternative. For your information, we should probably explain what a brick-and-mortar business is, too. To bid it simply, it's a traditional business that serves customers in person instead of offering online services. In essence, your local 7-Eleven in Asia. International specialist responses to the DCEP tend to reflect a generally skeptical point of view. Take, for example, Niall Ferguson, a historian who is stressing the American authorities' underestimation of the threat posed to the dollar dominance by China's digital currency. To quote him, they are treating the blockchain-based financial innovations that offer the best alternative to China's EUN, like great cashers, at their own exclusive party. Japan is especially worked up over this issue as well. A legislator from Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's ruling party said the country needs to work with the U.S. to control the implicit influence of China's forthcoming digital yuan. Japan's Vice Minister of Foreign Affairs, Norihiro Nakayama, shares the same view. He's one of the lawgivers who drafted proffers supposed to allow the use of digital currency in Japan and said that China's digital currency is a challenge to the global reserve currency system and currency ascendance. Without the help of US authorities, Japan would not be able to check the trouble that China's soon-to-be-launched digital yuan will cause for the current transnational agreement system and reserved currency. But that's not all, though. Nakayama also wants the Bank of Japan to team up with a ton of other central banks, like the Federal Reserve, so they can intensely study the generalities of digital currencies. Even Finance Minister Taro Aso said that it would be a very serious problem if digital yuan becomes a popular means for international settlement. 
as Japan takes care of most of its transactions in dollars. China is a huge contender to Japan, and the wide use of digital yuan will definitely affect the decline of Japan's profitable power. This explains the proffers, why they're speeding up the process to regulate the functionality and impact of digital currencies in the country. China's new form of banking is also kind of problematic for some. It comes with more than a few legal issues which relate to data sequestration and policy fabrics. And it's still unclear exactly what types of government personnel should even be safeguarding these massive systems. With all of these issues, the success of the DCEP will depend just how much confidence and trust Beijing can produce in this system. They need to be more open and translucent about the technological but also the legal aspects of this project. The CCP's new five-time plan is on its way to digitalizing China, and with it, China wants to be technologically independent of the West. But its new digital currency has implications for the country's already worrying state control and surveillance of its people. It could even affect the capability of other countries to position warrants at the Chinese government for accusations regarding breaches of international law. Of course, from their point of view, this could be promising. So it's no secret that China wants to ensure the DCEP goes widespread. To provide an incentive, the People's Bank of China has conducted multiple large-scale trials with massive encouragement packaged disbursements in major Chinese cities like Shenzhen, Shanghai, and Beijing, with the involvement of some of our favorite, or maybe not, public and transnational retailers such as McDonald's, Subways, and Starbucks, to name a few. The phased perpetration of DCEP is pretty strategic, concentrated mostly on major economic capitals with booming transnational trade and business communities. This is all part of China's ideal of a wider internationalization of the RMB, which has been one of the country's biggest concerns since the 2008 economic crisis. All of this is going to allow Beijing to continue its competition with the U.S.'s global hegemony. The Belt and Road Initiative, China's constantly discussed infrastructure development plan that invests in 70 countries and organizations worldwide, correlates with this new currency system. Since they perform coherently in the same country, and what we mentioned about concerns for Beijing's control and surveillance capabilities could even reach beyond borders. International uses of the digital yuan could extend a single nation's technological monitoring which could become a security concern, not only for BRI party countries, but also for other trading partners. After all this talk about global perspectives and international leaders, why don't we look at this topic from a more personal lens? As Gen Z students, we tend to share the same views on a lot of things, but while the idea of a world ruled by digital currencies is something we need to get used to, it's also something that's almost never discussed. As with everything, there are obvious advantages and disadvantages that come with a transition into a clashless society. Let's start with the good. This may not be the first thing that comes to mind, but carrying cash makes you an easy target for criminals. Once there's no tangible money to steal, crimes like mugging and pickpocketing will be drastically reduced. Money laundering is another problem that will be eliminated. Since doing business online means there's always a digital paper trail, and as a generation that prefers to use our phones for just about anything, going cashless seems to be the most convenient thing to do. E-payment methods like Apple Pay, PayMe, and Alipay are already gaining ground as popular substitutes for traditional cash payment. 
because isn't it just so much easier to click a few buttons on your phone than to fumble around with coins and banknotes? But of course, we can't ignore the bad either. To start with, digital transactions sacrifice our privacy. Electronic payments aren't as private as cash payments. You might trust the organizations that handle your data, and you might have nothing to hide. However, the more information you have floating around online, the more likely it is to wind up in malicious hands. Cashless transactions are also exposed to hacking risks. If you are targeted by hackers and somebody drains your account, you may not have any alternative ways to spend money. The social implications of a fully digital economy are just as important. The poor and unbanked will likely have an even harder time in a cashless society. If smartphone purchases become the standard way to transact, for example, those who can't afford smartphones will be left behind. As the younger generation, we might not think that this has much of an impact on us than it does, say, politicians or heads of state. But the idea that our lives can be tracked and our information observed by a looming omnipresent authority can be just a bit scary. Whether you're dreading the day our society makes the switch to digital currencies or can't wait for it, there's still a long time before we can truly exist in a society that runs solely on digital payments. While China's electronic currency certainly has potential, especially with zero transaction fees and an offline mode, chances are people won't be thrilled by the fact that a single country's central bank will be watching over our every purchase. The digital yuan has a high chance domestically, but with the lack of trust that the international community harbors towards government bodies, will this be the case on a global scale? The future has hopes for digital currency, but let's see how this plays out. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to this tech interruption.